It's the first Prez Monday check-in. We'll have a chat, but not spill tea. Hey, it's the first Prez Monday check-in. We got the Bible and Greg and me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Monday check-in. I'm Damon Jensen Heitman, one of the pastors. First Presbyterian Church, Hastings, Nebraska, joined by... Greg Allen Pickett, the other pastor at First Presbyterian Church. Excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is attempt number two. On the same text. Not attempt. I mean, we, well, I attempt. It's, it is study number two. The yeah. The first one wasn't an attempt. It was a success. That's true. I mean, I heard from at least two people that listened to the first one. Is that right? Yeah. And I didn't hear from anybody. Well. And we're coming to you on Tuesday because uh, Damon was doing his civic duty yesterday. It was. So we weren't able to record the money checking on Monday because Damon was otherwise previously occupied. Yep. But also I failed. I failed to make the jury. I was not needed or wanted, really, it turns out. so. It Was it the... Theological exposition you did on the criminal justice system that you think turned them off? Or? No, mostly it's just that they never pulled my name out of the hat. Was it literally pulling? It cards, wasn't a hat, but yeah, but, but like yeah. out of a jar or mm-hmm. uh, it looked like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were like juror number. Yeah, they had like a slip, a juror number and name on it. And, yeah, and your name just never got drawn, Mm-mm. but you had to sit there the whole day and wait for that. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Which was fine. It was an interest. I'd never been a part of that before. It was an interesting process. Yeah. Um, to be a part of so. And the courtroom here, the gallery is is pews. Like church pews, essentially. I yeah. mean, they probably, yeah. I don't know if they call them pews or not, right. but that's what they are. And at one point, the lady sitting next to me, she like, she leaned over and she said, "Do you have you?" Do you have any experience doing this before? I said, well, I mean, I've sat on a lot of church pews, but that's probably not what you meant. (laughs) And she appreciated your She did. She enjoyed it. That's good. Got her through that 20 seconds of the day. I'm not always sure that everyone appreciates your humor, and so I'm glad to know that she did. Yeah. It would have been interesting to see what the attorneys would have thought of my humor. But they didn't get a chance. And you wouldn't have held back. (laughs) Why? Right. (laughs) So, at any rate, it's Tuesday now. So we're going to do this. Monday check-in on Tuesday? Mm -hmm. The Monday check-in, for those who don't know, is uh, we do a little preview of the upcoming Sunday. Take a look at the scripture. Uh, consider it, ask questions of it, let it ask questions of us, perhaps. Spend a little time doing a little mini Bible study, and then we switch gears and we talk a little bit about the life of the church, First Pres Hastings. And we start with uh, an opening prayer, and is it, I think it's my turn? I think it's your turn. Okay, then let's pray. Loving and gracious God, as we return to your holy word, um, let us find within it your truth, your wisdom, your nurture, and your challenge. In your gracious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this week may seem a little familiar to folks because we have decided to preach on the same text two weeks in a row. You preached last week. 
I'll be preaching on it this week. But we should uh, reread the text to remind folks what it is. Yes. Or to introduce new folks to it. Who didn't catch the very successful Monday check-in from yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. Arguably the most successful Monday check-in in history last week. Because we had two instances of positive feedback? Yeah, it's arguable. It, one could argue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's from Exodus. Chapters 1 and 2, portions of chapters 1 and 2. I read something like this. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and, in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other Puah, When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dwelt, dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and became very strong. And because, and because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile. But... Uh, you shall let every girl live. Do you want to take it from there? Sure. Okay. Uh, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister jumped out of the reeds. That was my own. And said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. 
I added that she jumped out of the reeds, but that's how I, I saw that picture that scene mm-hmm. like the sister and in doing some study of this text last week we said the sister was nameless and we didn't I didn't find another appearance it turns out it's, it's Miriam Moses' sister is Miriam makes further appearances later on in Exodus yeah the text here doesn't explicitly name it as Miriam and it could be that Moses had a different sister but right. uh Generally understood biblical scholars think that this is Miriam. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, potentially. Yeah. It is. I mean, yeah, you might think that Moses maybe had multiple sisters. Right. But Miriam's the one, she eventually sings a song, doesn't she? Indeed. And then that song gets repeated. Yep. Right? By Rachel, maybe? Uh, And, yeah. Hmm. And so giving... giving, Because there's a song about... A song about deliverance? Yes. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's say it is Miriam. Let's say that the biblical scholars, that we're in agreement with them, that she has a name. And so there's an interesting detail in here that was pointed out to me by Dan Deffenbaugh that I didn't preach about and we didn't talk about last week. So we can start our conversation this week with this. Mm -hmm. And that detail is this. The Pharaoh doesn't have a name. It's true. It names it a Pharaoh and the king of Egypt, but they don't say his name. Shipra and Pua are actually named. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. And then if, 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 in fact, this sister is Miriam, the fact that we know her name, which appears in Exodus, to name a character in the biblical narrative is important. The fact that these are women who have names and identities. And, the, and so, obviously, Pharaoh has the power, but in this case, I think the naming of the midwives and, and the naming of Miriam and stuff is important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Though, to be clear, Miriam is not actually named in this story. In this particular story, but she is named in the Exodus narrative. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. It seems that it would be... That seems like a, an... In, that's an interpretive choice. Yes. Right? Yes. To think, okay, this sister is, is probably Miriam, or that the writers of the narrative were thinking that this sister and Miriam are the same. Right. Same person. Correct. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also did, I should look up, um, I'm sure that Shifra and Pua, I'm sure those names mean something. Probably. I didn't look it up though. But, I'm sure that has some, I mean, all uh, names, right, have meaning. And so, but right. oftentimes in Hebrew, the name has a connotation of, in the same mm-hmm. way that we read Moses because I drew him out of the water, right? right? Yeah. Um, or, you know, yeah. Jacob is, he's the one who supplants. Or right. grabs by the heel. Right. right. Heel, yep. Um, yeah, it's uh, interesting. Um, you thinking of names and, and Moses' name. That, um, that idea of I, I drew him up out of the water and... Uh, the water uh, within biblical narratives oftentimes rep- kind of represents chaos, 
Mm -hmm. It can be used to represent chaos or to sort of represent some sort of um, destructive force, right? Or, or a force that oftentimes acts in opposition to creation in some way, right? right. The flood or the right. parting of the Red Sea or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the hurricane that's about to strike Florida this week. Sure. Yeah. And even I think one of the creation accounts describes God is uh, speaking over the, the chaos waters. Yes. Is, is how they're described. And thinking about what it means um, for Pharaoh's daughter, she doesn't technically do it. She instructs somebody else to pull this basket out of the, out of the chaos waters. Mm -hmm. um, and, and thinking a little bit about what is it, what might it mean then for us to, to try to help pull people up out of chaos waters of some sort, right? And there's a variety of ways that, that could be like, like a, a lived physical need of some sort that, right. that is being experienced as a chaos in somebody's life. It could be, um, you know, the chaos of some sort of emotional um, need or um, an illness of some sort or that sort of like... <coughs> but what is it, what might it mean to sort of walk by the river and look look for things and for people to we can try to help pull up out pull up. of the of the waters. Yeah. Well that that then reminds me of a an African parable which I'm sure you've heard before but um there are people going down to the riverbank and and they keep finding these babies floating down and they run in and they pull out the babies and save them like we see with mm -hmm. Pharaoh's daughter here. And then it eventually occurs to somebody to go upstream and figure out... Where are these babies coming from? ...why there are so <laughs> many babies floating down the river. Mm -hmm. um, and that our call as Christians certainly is if we see a baby floating in the water, metaphorically right. or literally, to go pull that baby out. But, that, but our call as Christian goes beyond simply responding to the problem in front of us, but also asking the deeper questions of where, where are the babies coming from and going upstream to figure out what's happening. Um, that, that we're called to, to provide immediate relief and care when we see someone in need, but our faith also calls and compels us to ask the deeper questions of how do we address the root causes of that need so that we can make the world a better place. This is the kingdom building work to which we're called as followers of Christ. And Jesus did model that for us in his ministry, right? If he saw someone who was hungry, he fed them. But he would also ask the deeper questions of why are there hungry people in the world and how can we address root causes of hunger? If he saw someone who was thirsty, he gave them drink or encouraged us to give them drink, but would also ask the question of why is there thirst in the world and how can we work to address that thirst, both on a spiritual level but also on a physical level. And so I, I don't know that, that my mind goes to that when you talk about mm -hmm. how do we pull 
draw them out of the water. What's what's our mm-hmm. job with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, is, you know, and there's a lot going on in this passage that also has to do with power and whose power and whose authority, um, and those sorts of things as well. There's also this interesting thing of, um, I think I talked about this a little bit last week or we talked about it, you know, Pharaoh's daughter knows what she has discovered. Yeah. She says it right here. Right. She, she knows this is a Hebrew child. Right, because right. my dad gave this order that all the Hebrew boys have to be thrown into the river. So right. she, she knew full well what mm-hmm. was going on. Yep. Yeah, uh, and to look into the basket and to choose, uh, and she, I think it says, takes pity mm-hmm. on the child. Like, to choose to seed a baby instead of an enemy. Right. I think. Um, That's really well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but really, because... Pharaoh is trying to get everyone to see every Hebrew male, including the babies, as enemies, yeah. to dehumanize them. That is not that is not a fellow human being. That's not a fellow Egyptian. That is simply an enemy who will rise up against us and harm us or conquer us or kill us. And Pharaoh's daughter in this passage, to, she, she chooses not to buy into that narrative and instead to see this as a fellow human being. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really well to, yeah. I mean, that's such a, the, you said that so succinctly, Damon, to see it as a baby and not an enemy. And there are so many examples in our world where people buy into this predominant narrative and rather than seeing a child as a child and a fellow human being and in our theological language, a child of God. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you just see them as a threat of some sort. Right. Right. Whatever. However that threat is being framed. Right. In that moment. Um, but yeah, there like there's often encouragement to see others not really as human beings, but as threats or, or representing some sort of larger threat um, to you in the, in the world. Um, yeah, and, and Pharaoh's daughter is, is clearly choosing not to do that. Yeah. Right? She's picking a different narrative a different way. Right. For whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now you might assume, well, Pharaoh's daughter, maybe Pharaoh's daughter can get away with that. Um, right. But and maybe not everybody else could get away with that because they weren't Pharaoh's daughter. But but it's interesting, I think, nonetheless. So, um, yeah. What else? I I still, initially, last week when we recorded this, I was was pretty focused on Moses' sister, and I still think she's such a compelling character in this. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, hiding in the reeds or the bushes and she sees Pharaoh's daughter go down and she springs out like, Hey, I can help you with this problem. It's very clever. I mean, she's very clever, but she's also taking a risk. Yeah. Right. She's putting herself at risk. Um, 
Because Pharaoh's daughter could say, no, I just acknowledge this is one of those Hebrew children. Like, what, what are you thinking? But instead it's like, oh, here, let me solve this problem for you, Pharaoh's daughter. Mm-hmm. And in turn gets the baby back into its mother's arms. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. I just, it's, it, it's a fun, mm-hmm. fun part of that narrative. Yeah, I mean, you could, I, you know, I, in the same way that in creation, God looks, maybe not in the same way, but in a similar way. <laughs> it's how in the creation story, God looks out over the chaos waters, right? And, and somehow brings order mm-hmm. out of them, right? Um, Moses' sister is doing a similar sort of a thing. Yeah. Right? She's looking out over the chaos waters of the Nile and and finding a way to bring order out of it. Right. Or helping to bring order out. Like they're all kind of helping to bring order out. Yeah. In some way, shape, or form, um, which is interesting. And that is how people kind of thought of the Nile, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the Nile, the Nile flooded regularly and that is what helped made the area around it so fertile right um but it was also incredibly destructive mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and it was also filled with hazards um so it's interesting right yeah mm-hmm. so uh what do you think you think there's something in here that'll preach I think it'll preach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it'll preach for sure. There's a line in here that I, it didn't strike me before. It struck me this time. I don't know what to make of it or if it's really worth making anything out of it. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, <laughs> she's hid him three months. Um, I'm, I am imagine that that would have struck the ears of the original audience differently than it kind of strikes mine. Like yeah. if he hadn't been a fine baby, she wouldn't have worried about it. But I don't think that's what is to be implied here. Right. <laughs> but. but yeah, I think it'll preach. All right. So. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. Yeah. I think the rest of the congregation is too. There were some, uh, a number of folks came up to me after service on Sunday and said, hey, this is great that you and Damon are going to preach on the same text and we get to hear two different interpretations. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, maybe something we do more often. I think we definitely could. I think it's, like I said, I think the more we do it, I really think the more narrow of a passage yeah. that, you know, that we could look at too. Um, which would be really interesting. Yeah, this is a, a long passage with multiple storylines, and so we could end up preaching and not necessarily intersecting mm-hmm. our thoughts or ser- on the sermons. But yeah, mm-hmm. it could happen. Yeah. All right, what's going on at First Press? Oh, so much good stuff. <laughs> so much good stuff. All right. So um, we are... Uh, on our last week before Sunday school. So this Sunday, September 3rd, there is no Sunday school and there's no early service. So it's just one service at 1030. Um, it is a communion service. So if you can join us in person, uh, plan on doing that and we'll be taking communion. Uh, and yeah, uh, this is Labor Day weekend coming up. Uh, so Monday's a holiday for a lot of folks, but we're expecting good turnout. 
and then uh, and then the fun begins. Wednesday Night Live will restart on September 6th. And then on Sunday, September 10th, that is our 150th anniversary worship celebration uh, here in the sanctuary. That's at 1030. And following that, we're doing a luncheon over in the Peace Center. So uh, what do you need to know about that? Well, come to worship at 1030. It's going to be great. And then join us for the luncheon. It's free. Uh, Anyone can come. Uh, But we are trying to get a head count on that. So if you have not yet RSVP'd for the luncheon, please do so. Uh, You can do that by calling the church office. We'll take your name down. And again, we're just making sure we get the right head count. And we hope you can join us for that because it's going to be a wonderful celebratory Sunday. We've got five former and retired pastors coming back. We have uh, key community partners uh, like the president of Hastings College and the pastor of First United Methodist. The mayor from Hastings is going to be here reading a proclamation. We're going to have great music, our chancel choir, our bells, our youth choir, um, and our cathedral brass. It's going to be um, quite a special Sunday in the life of the church. So mm-hmm. hope you can join us for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be a, a lovely celebration. And then following that celebration, things will just continue at first press. <laughs> Um, oh, and Sunday school starts that week too, yes. September 10th, Yep, for adults and youth and children. So that's the week to be back. If you're an adult, we're going to do uh, an adult ed forum in the fellowship hall, and it'll be a panel of those former pastors from the church sharing all of the secrets that they learned when they were pastors at this church uh, publicly. No. <laughs> they're going to talk about uh, yeah, all the laundry. <laughs> they're happy to raise the, the church. So mm-hmm. uh, we hope you can join us for that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, another thing for folks to, to maybe put on their calendar for the fall uh, is a special Wednesday yes. in the life of the church. Wednesday, September 27th, yes. I believe. Uh, we're going to invite folks to really kind of an all-church cookout. Uh, and also a blessing of the pets. Yes. Correct? Yeah. So we've historically done our blessing of the pet service on a Sunday morning, but uh, we're going to try something new this year. And so our blessing of the pet service will be on a Wednesday evening. So we'll invite everyone to come down to the church from 5 to 6 and share some food and fun and fellowship. And then at 6 o'clock, we will do a brief blessing of the pets service, similar to the ones that we do on Sunday morning. Um, I haven't asked you yet, David, would you be willing to play the guitar and... uh, Lead us with all God's critters got a place in the choir. Sure. All right. Uh, Damon will be playing guitar <laughs> and we'll walk around and I'll, I'll say a prayer blessing over each animal. And we have little dog tags that say I was blessed at First Presbyterian Church. And so we hope you can join us for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be cool. Anything else? I think that's it. Should we close with a word of prayer? Let's do it. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for your holy word for this text, which uh, continues to speak to us today. And thank you for the many insights that it gives us into who we are as your people and who you are as our God. Continue to bless and guide our reading and interpretation of this text. Bless this this brief two-week sermon series that people can hear you speak to them with new ears uh, as both I and Pastor Damon seek to faithfully interpret the text. We ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, then with all those things said and done, until next time, toodaloo.